Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. I portray a liberal on the radio and a true conservative sits directly across me. That will be Joe McGranahan, a man with no discernible politics at all whatsoever, runs the show, and that is uh, Mr. Rob Center. So we appreciate his help and hard work. We start out with a guest today. We're very lucky and glad to say that State Representative Linda Schlegel-Culver, 108th District, Republican is on the line. Good morning, Linda. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning. I hope you guys are well this morning. We're trying (laughs) as well as we can ever be here. (laughs) We hope you are well, too. Uh, That is probably the most asked question in the world in the past uh, six months. How's Linda doing? The answer was always kind of okay. So you had a, 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 a transplant. So tell us, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, the surgery was a success. Um, you know, I did experience some uh, minor, uh, I guess, a little bit, but um, I am completely free of all drains and I'm out and about. And I just have to be, you know, a little careful because I'm immune compromised. So, you know, if I'm out there, you will see me with my mask on. Um, for at least a little while yet until John Hopkins gives me the okay not to wear it. But um, I think until we get through the whole COVID um, infections and what's going on, I will probably, as probably any other transplant patients of any kind or anybody who's immune suppressed will have to do um, on, until we get this all figured out. Well, it was in April of this year we first told folks about the fact that you're getting a kidney transplant, so you know, a lot of prayers and thoughts went up for you. So we're just glad you're out and about. And, yeah, glad and, to hear and, you're and, doing, and doing well. Your work. Sometimes when people go through uh, this kind of a uh, medical change in their life, they say, I'll tell you what, one thing I've learned is dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Complete that sentence for us. And, you know, what have you learned or what have you found out along the way? Kind of give us that glimpse. I think for me, I mean, I personally knew for years that, you know, my kidneys were not doing well. And I knew that, you know, through the process that you um, have to take each day as it comes and you have to be thankful and um, be thankful for the blessings of each day and see the miracles. Um, there's miracles everywhere you look. We just tend not to acknowledge the small miracles that make our lives have the value that they have. Um, probably the lesson I learned from having the transplant was um, we have very capable medical teams. Um, I received fantastic care at Geisinger Medical Center and still am, um, and also at John Hopkins. And we are blessed to have the amount of medical facilities we have in our area. Um, taking care of us, but the outpouring and the generosity and the prayers and the love that this community uh, provides to people was amazing. Um, The amount of cards I received and flowers and gifts and calls and texts, 
and I can't tell you all the ways people reached out to me. Meals. I mean, my family had meals for three weeks, um, including my donor. So uh, we were all very blessed, and everybody's help is what got us through and got us healed. And um, I am thankful every day for um, just being here and being able to, to give back. Uh-huh. back able to do that how difficult has it been balancing your public job with your private need to recover it, well uh, <laughs> we'd still laugh about this because i mean if anybody knows i truly truly told nobody i was having this done not my oldest friends not my extended family not anybody i work with so uh two days after the transplant my office staff thought I was on vacation and you know we we do our weekly e-blast and there was things that needed done I mean there always is it's never like you're completely off the job and I, I was laughing in retrospect I'm like maybe we shouldn't have had me be doing the e-blast uh, two days after surgery because I still you know had the anesthesia in me and they said you really did good um so they were shocked when I told them on Sunday when I came home but um yeah I, I mean I seemed to work in the hospital and I was answering emails and texts and um I mean, I'm fortunate that I was able to work remotely, and I was able to advance four bills um, when I was home. But um, I think working is what helped me uh, kind of recover because I was sort of stuck in the house for about three months. Uh, so it occupied my time. You know, it gave me that purpose of getting up, taking care of business. And, um, you know, as we went through the process, I know people were shocked and maybe a little criticized, or, you know, critis- criticizing me for not kind of going out there with it before but i do want to express like i never wanted this job or the work that my staff and i do to become about my health condition um i I wanted to stay focused on doing the job that they elected me to do and two of course my donor wanted to remain anonymous and three to me it was self-preservation to be able to hear about people's normal daily lives you know the good things the bad things the complaints um it helped me function you know it was good for me to function normally and I think that's what helped me get through everything and I think it still continues to this day when I can focus on giving back and doing what I'm supposed to be doing um, I think that's helpful for everybody isn't it frustrating though when something you really were upset about in Harrisburg happens and you can't be there to pound on the desk and tell them what for (laughs) well I mean because of technology and what we had to do through COVID um, I could fully participate in session on the floor um, I could fully participate in every hearing and every voting meeting. So, um, no, it it actually worked out very well. Um, Actually, we were laughing because I keep saying I was so much more focused when I was home because then when you're in the office, as you know, there's all this other stuff going on that, um, you know, it takes your attention from what you were focused on. But, um, yeah, I I was blessed to be able to continue working from home and continue um, to be out and about and, it's wonderful. I mean, I will never say I would prefer to be home. I prefer to be out and about. Um, like last night, we were out at National Night Out at Sunbury, which was an amazing and incredible night. And to the folks who put that together, that was just a great night for everybody involved. And um, it was nice to be able to be out and be a part of it. All right. Well, thank you. We're glad you're up and around. Let's uh, talk about some of those issues that might tempt you to pound on the table <laughs> at home uh, or wherever you happen to be working from. Uh, Doug Mastriano is very interested in making sure we do these expensive forensic audits in the counties. At some point, the House might be asked to weigh in on that. What's your view on this uh, forensic audit, Arizona style, in Pennsylvania counties? 
So, I mean, we're not even sure we have the ability to authorize a forensics audit in the House. We don't have the ability to subpoena. Only very few committees in the House have that ability, um, unless we would do a special resolution on a very special um, sort of investigation, could we do that? I think um, it's the uh, Appropriations Committee, I think, has that ability. The Ethics Committee has the ability. Um, and. Oh, goodness, I can't think of the third committee. It's one of our newer committees um, has that ability. And the Senate, though, they have more of a, an ability to do uh, the subpoenas and whatever else they need to do. Um, we're watching. Uh, I, I actually want to see what does the forensic audit do? What does it cost, um, you know, the taxpayers? And is the audit going to show anything different than the audits that have already been done? Because um, we want to make sure that the election was fair. Uh, thus far, the data that they've done from any audit is showing that there hasn't been, you know, significant um, issues with it. And I, I know people will disagree with that. Um, and if the other kind of audit is the way to go, the forensics audit, then that's what we do. But I haven't fully seen what he's proposing or how he's proposing to do that. Um, there was talk about uh, outside money being used, and that's very concerning to me because that was one of the problems we had during the election that the, um, there was money from the Zuckerberg, I think it was Zuckerberg Foundation, um, and it was a significant amount of money that Pennsylvania used in the election process, uh, the Department of State, and, and we all took exception to that. We didn't think there should be private monies in our election if we're going to keep them fair. Um, so that is a concern that I actually do have um, with doing that audit, but I mean, I have an open mind about it. I want to see it. I know a lot of my constituents are looking to see that audit. So we are waiting to see what comes from the Senate. And if we have to take action, we, of course, will do so with an open mind. And we will look at all things coming at us. Well, if you look back at the, um, you know, the past election, uh, the governor has said that he would probably veto any kind of uh, election reform bill here in Pennsylvania. But yet some have been proposed. Do you support any kind of election reform um, that you think would be meaningful and useful going forward? My goodness, yes. Um, you know, if you look at our election uh, law, we haven't had anything comprehensive since the election code of 1937. Um, so many things have changed since then, uh, you know, with technology, with the amount of people voting and how people are voting. I mean, our election law says you still have to have lanterns at the voting polls so people can <laughs> see at night. Um, you know what I mean? So we need to update that. And, you know, as they went through, the, you know, the 10 hearings, I think they had 52 testifiers from people from all sides, all areas, you know, our election directors, election experts, both state and national. Um, people that lean left, people that lean right, and, and all kinds of advocacy groups, um, we have learned that there's things we need to take care of. Uh, there's things we need to update. There's things um, that, you know, our election directors, and I have to say, uh, Nathan Savage of Northumberland County was one of our testifiers. Um, and, you know, he was new to it. He was learning it. So he had a different perspective than some of the rest of the, you know, directors. So, I mean, I think if you asked him, he would say there's things that definitely need to be updated and changed and give them the time they need to, to make sure that the election is fair, to make sure that, you know, every vote counts and that the votes that are counted are qualified electors. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we did pass a bill and the governor did veto it. Um, we weren't sure what he was going to do, but now I don't know if anybody's seen he has made comments 
um, to some other newspapers across the Commonwealth that he thinks maybe he may have acted too hastily and want to run and revisit it with us. So I know, you know, we're reaching back out and we would have preferred um, having their input from the beginning, but we knew we had to get something done. And, um, you know, we looked at, and I shouldn't say we, I should say our state government committee, which I'm not a part of, and our chairman, Seth Grove, how other states were doing things, you know, those who had the reputation of doing certain things well, you know, like early voting or the canvassing or just, you know, how they certify the machines, just anything like that. Um, we tried to, to take from those states what was working really well. And if we thought we could improve upon it, we tried to do that. And there was, you know, election groups from across the United States that have said, Pennsylvania's bill was not a Republican bill. It was not a Democrat bill. It was a voter bill. And that's exactly what we were going for. So, I mean, the bill's been reintroduced, um, and there could be, you know, voter identification on the ballot, but it'll, it'll take some time because you know we have to pass that in two consecutive sessions. So that'll take a little time. But I, I think it's important that we include people in the process. I mean, we have been polling, but there's no better poll than when they go to the, you know, the ballot themselves and, and they make their voice heard but um yeah we definitely need to do some updates and some changes and from these hearings one of the things that we did say is we need to every few years review the election laws talk to people at the election offices and, and get public input to see if we need to you know tighten it up or you know make it more accessible or what do we need to do so yeah i think it's important that we look at this comprehensively and we all do it together. And, I mean, I can honestly tell you the one thing I have heard from the last election is people did not feel confident that their vote counted. They did not feel confident it was all qualified voters. Um, and we need to make sure that we take care of that. And I think this bill comprehensively tried to make sure, you know, there'd be a separate um, audit office after every election. And it was the most comprehensive audit anywhere in the United States. I mean, we really tried to make sure we addressed all those concerns. Well, the uh, Democrats typically like to make voter ID seem like it's a voter suppression measure. Do you buy that? And have you found that reaching across the aisle to Democrats in Pennsylvania, they're less likely to be upset about that than other other Democrats in other states? Uh, there's indications that, you know, the governor himself, I mean, there's been a lot of polls done, and uh, a large percentage of Pennsylvanians are, seem to be in favor of it. And Let's be honest. I mean, we almost have to have an ID for most things that we do, even getting um, prescriptions with uh, decongestant in it. I mean, that normally we used to be able to get off the shelf. We have to show ID now to get on, you know, any kind of transportation, a bus, a plane. Um, you have to have, you know, that identification at the bank. I mean, to to buy a house, sometimes to rent. It depends on what you're doing. I mean, you typically have to have an ID and. Years ago, and I can't remember how many years ago, when we passed that, I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it was like 99 point some percent of Pennsylvanians already have some form of ID, whether it be, you know, a driver's license or a photo ID. And that was according to transportation. But that, that was a few years back because you need it for so many different things. Um, but they also addressed that in the bill as far as every election office would be able to give you a, a voter ID if you don't have a driver's license, if you don't have a photo ID. And when you would go, you know how you sign the book when you go, um, you would actually scan the card. Um, 
and, and it would compare your signature. And they actually, uh, from other states, have learned as we age, our signature changes a little bit. Um, that that software gave allowances for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we are trying to really make people feel secure and feel confident that when they go to the polls, it's a fair election process. All right. Other topics in Harrisburg, transportation revenue. Please tell us what will happen in the years ahead. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that. <laughs> um, if anybody read the proposal, um, I'm just about all the way through it. I'm probably going to read it again just because there was a lot in it. Um, and there was quite a few uh, what they're calling funding strategies uh, in there. You know, so, you know, from anything from, you know, the base user fee on mileage. And I know people are not crazy about that. Um, but its intention is the gas tax isn't working because we have a lot of hybrid vehicles and we are getting a lot of electric vehicles. And, you know, the push at the federal level is, um, you know, one of the things in the infrastructure bill was to put those uh, charging stations uh, more available around the United States. So we're obviously moving in that direction and the gas tax is not going to be working. We get less every year. And to think that it's not expensive to maintain the roads that we have here in Pennsylvania, um, it's just not true. I mean, we have a pretty serious freeze-thaw cycle that is really hard on our roads. Um, and I think the data is we have more roads than is it New York, New Jersey, and all the New England states combined. Uh, and that's just state roads. That's not including our county and our local roads. And I'm not sure the number where we come out with bridges, but we have a significantly more bridges than most other states. So. Um, trying to maintain that is expensive. Uh, and, and, you know, we've been on PennDOT in ways to, you know, to streamline that to make sure they're more effective. And, you know, the running joke, people will say that, you know, the PennDOT workers standing on the side of the road with their hand on the shovel. I'm hoping that's not the case anymore. The workers I know work really hard um, at trying to dispel that rumor. And um, I, I know that PennDOT's been on them, you know, for public perception. They need to feel like we're doing the job that, you know, they're paying us to do. So, that's one of the things we've been working on. But when you get back to the direct user fee, I think that is a way to try and resolve this issue permanently so we don't have to keep going back and looking at it. So that would capture, you know, any vehicle at this time that is fueled by gasoline. It would capture any hybrid vehicle. It would capture any electric vehicle who, by the way, aren't paying for any usage of our roads right now, whether they live here or whether they're coming in from another state. The Also, the premise of this program, and there was a pilot program that ran, um, and it was any state that was on the I-80 corridor. And the reasoning behind that is if you're on I-80, typically you're going through multiple states. We wanted to be able to capture anybody coming into Pennsylvania, whether they're a resident or not, and allow other states the same opportunity. So it would have to be a compact uh, between states um, to make this work. And, and, and we're not quite there yet. And I know legitimately there's concerns that, you know, government is tracking where people are going. Um, I, I don't think that would be the intention, and we would have to put, you know, safety measures in there. Um, but it is a way that we can resolve that more permanently than having to keep going back and looking at it. Um, so there was a, a bunch of I mean, it's going to have to come through the legislature, and we're going to have to take each of them on their own merits. Uh, some of them, um, I think, I think Virginia is a state where they 
you know, charge you based on the value of your vehicle. We've always shied away from that as a state and used the registration fee. It's typically cheaper um, than doing it that way. And I don't know that we want to penalize somebody for the type of car that they purchase. And the proposal that I read said that they would still keep the registration fee and assess that fee on top of it. There might be some um, lowering of one over the other, but there would still be both. And that's concerning. I mean, you want to make this fair and we want to fund our roads, but we have to make sure um, that we're doing what's best for the users of the roads. So I, I think that, you know, they kind of threw up uh, a lot of different ideas and they're probably going to see what what sticks um, and what we can move forward with. But uh, I think we have to look at it comprehensively because we are at a major shortfall, but um, I know we feel like we need to see what is the federal government going to do with their infrastructure bill, how will that impact us, and, and then respond accordingly um, after we see that. Joe has to ask his question, so uh, we'll let go. Joe, go ahead and ask <laughs> well, it. Well, no, I mean, Linda, you know, the last few times you and I have talked, I have not mentioned radar to you. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not going to give you that break today. <laughs> What's going to happen with the radar bill? Are municipal police finally going to get the use of radar in Pennsylvania? I'm not sure. Um, you know, we did get it out of the committee, out of the Transportation Committee, um, and it's sitting on the calendar. Um, but so far, the claim is we don't have the votes to move it. Um, so we've been trying to figure out, well, what do we need to do to move it? We, I mean, I know there are people that are against this very strongly. Um, but, uh, I mean, if we're being honest, uh, they can't stop you with radar unless you're speeding. Um, and it is believed that radar saves lives. It makes people slow down. It makes them pay attention. And um, we are the last state in the nation to allow our local police to have radar. Um, and the argument becomes, you know, we let you have a taser. We let you have a gun. We let you go into you know, dangerous situations, but we don't trust you to have radar. Um, and our radar bill has a lot of safety measures in it. You can't use it as a fundraising tool and we put limits on that. You have to sign that you're using radar in your municipality. Um, you have to be trained. It's not like you can just purchase it um, and, and start, you know, using radar. You have to be trained to do it. Um, so, and, and police officers do go through quite a bit of training now. So, I, I mean, I've always been supportive of it. I feel, you know, we need to trust our local municipalities to do the right thing. And it's expensive, so not every municipality is going to use it. But if you look at the rate of uh, traffic accidents, uh, rural Pennsylvania has the most traffic accidents due to speeding, and they're more serious, more injuries and more fatalities. Because you know we don't have a whole lot of stop signs and a whole lot of traffic lights when you hit outside of the city limits. And people tend to, to go much faster, and that causes more accidents. And I mean, we'd like to see that rate go down, um, not keep going up. So it is a safety measure, and uh, I think there's ways we can do this responsibly. Um, so we're just still working on House members to see um, if we can get it moving. And I'm not sure where the Senate is, but the Senate sent us one over last year, so we're hopeful, very similar to the one last year, and maybe some you know more safety measures in it. Uh, so we're hopeful that once it gets to the Senate, that it would pass through there. Oh, they, they already they already did. They passed it. There was only one dissenting vote. Gene Yaw. <laughs> but listen, you've, you've been an absolute joy to work with on this issue, and you've been extremely supportive. And I can tell our audience that you are an absolute hero to the Pennsylvania State Mayor's Association. Every mayor in the Commonwealth loves you for your hard work and your dedication on this issue. So thanks, Linda. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much for your time. I think we probably went a little over, but we really appreciate you carving out time and for bringing our audience up to date on these topics. There's some other pending topics, so the next time we'll have you back, we'll dig into some of those. So uh, thank you. Is there anything you'd like to add Gladly. maybe we didn't ask you that uh, is important? I think, uh, no. I just want to you know remind people that you know, it is important to communicate with all of your elected officials. If we are not hearing from you, we may not understand or know what you're going through or what your thoughts are. And when we're formulating legislation or we're formulating, you know, policies or we're, you know, just in the, in the throes of anything that we're doing in our elected capacity, it is important for us to know what the people are thinking that we represent. So it is important to communicate with us. Absolutely. We'll pass that message on to Congressman Keller. We're dead to him, but he'll have a chance in the year ahead to call in if he wishes. But thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. I really appreciate Absolutely. your help. Have a, have a great day. You too. Take care. State Representative Bye-bye. Linda Schlegel-Culver, uh, Republican, uh, works out of the Sunbury office and uh, some other offices around here. We're going to take a quick break, or when we come back, uh, we'll talk about her remarks coming up. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right. Rob Sander, fabulous producer, uh, making sure the commercial break fits in, so we appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Thoughts? So you got your radar bill slowly creeping through the legislature? Well, I understand the House has always been the problem, but, you know, it's it's really ridiculous when you stop to think about it that Pennsylvania is the only state in the union that doesn't allow municipal police to use radar. And in this bill would also permit the Pennsylvania State Police, who currently must use stationary radar, to use moving radar. The municipal police would still be limited to stationary radar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... Pennsylvania leads pretty much the nation in speed-related traffic fatalities, you know, and as Linda points out correctly, you're not going to get a ticket if you aren't speeding. And before a municipal police department can use radar on their borough or city streets, they'd have to get the speed limit approved by PennDOT. So, in other words, you couldn't take a road that should be 50 miles an hour, post it for 10, and then set up to catch people speeding. (laughs) PennDOT would have to agree that the speed limit on that road should be 10 miles per hour. And then call it the old trail. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you are listening to On the Mark, the KOK Live telephone talk show On the Mark. Again, we thank Linda Schlegel Culver for checking in. You're listening to News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury, WKOK News Time. It is 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Thank you so much for joining us. Very glad to see you back on the radio. It's 9.06 a.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Joe McGranahan is here, mayor of Shemokin Dam. He's been a community leader and transportation aficionado for a half a century. And he's here to talk about conservative viewpoints. He's got his Fox funnels in. They prevent, uh, well, it, they do allow some liberal viewpoints to get through, but they taint them with the conservative bent. My Fox funnel fell out. I got to put oh, it back geez. in. <laughs> I wonder what that Let's was. Give me okay. a second, will you? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay, yeah. Joe can actually hear objectively for the moment until he gets this thing squared away. So that is uh, Joe McGranahan. I'm Mark Lawrence. I wear CNN and MSNBC funnels, one on each side, and that too taints anything I hear from well, a conservative. Well, it's good. If you were your CNN funnel, you wouldn't know a thing about Mario or Governor Cuomo being. Uh, <laughs> Didn't they talk about it last night? Oh, uh, they. There was a lead story on MSNBC and on Fox this morning on Morning Joe and on uh, Fox and Friends, but it wasn't until the B or C block that they brought the subject up Cuomo. on uh, CNN, and they neglected to mention that his brother, their big star Chris has been coming in for a considerable amount of criticism over his role in all this. Well, he was privy to inside information, right? His brother right. was feeding him was, all kinds of right. stuff. Right. He okay. got premier health care that nobody else in New York could get because his brother, the governor, sent a state physician to his home to do COVID testing when common New Yorkers couldn't get any tests. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, okay. I, I certainly hope there's plenty of Democratic outrage. You know, everybody was so outraged about Donald Trump, what he did before he was in office, I would hope they'd be just as outraged outraged about what this guy did in office. Is there not now, after all these infractions by all these political leaders, Republicans and Democrats, I'll say, do we have a lower standard for personal behavior now? Well, I I don't think that we have a lower standard. I think we have people who have practiced their own personal, (laughs) what's that word, peccadillos, you know, and and they they expected not to get caught because of their high position. They expected, and everybody says Cuomo just would intimidate folks. I mean, he they I heard an analysis on MSNBC this morning that he has no friends left, that he, he governed through intimidation and bullying, and so mm-hmm. that their people are actually in in his own party are just salivating at the thought of having him gone. So he's a Democratic Trump. Well, apparently, he's worse than Trump. <laughs> in what way? In his, well, first of all, no one, Donald Trump, no one has accused Donald Trump of, of molesting any women or doing anything in office. You will agree with that, right? Mm, well, yeah, I think you're right. I think with that right, asterisk so involved. Here's a guy uh, who abused his power. He even, even molested a state trooper, a female state trooper assigned to his uh, detail. Oh. Reprehensible. Well, I think and, you and can the say guy President has the, Trump abused his office, but at the same time, you're right, sexual abuse of women isn't on that list in office. Right. Plenty before accusations, but not in office. Okay. All right. So, but all the way back around to my question. Well, let me do the news oh, and the, the outro. News. But I think that'll be a valid question for us proceeding. Do we have a lower standard for public officials' behavior? Now, President Trump, of course, got to say and do pretty much whatever he wanted to. And I think the COVID really cost him the election, not his personal behavior or policies or anything like that. And uh, Governor Cuomo says, hey, <laughs> this doesn't bother me. I'll run again. So uh, are we to the point where... Well, the question becomes whether or not we will accept this behavior. You know, when we didn't know about Jack Kennedy's behavior, uh, we didn't know about Warren G. Harding's behavior. 
we didn't know about. But if we had, we'd reacted differently, and they probably wouldn't get elected. Probably not. Right. But today, I don't. I don't know that a lot I mean, of folks say yes. Uh, we like these elected leaders, warts and all. Ronald Reagan was the first divorced person ever to be elected president. <laughs> All right. It was well, considered a death death sentence up until that point. Right. 1-800-795-9565 is our open line. We are going to talk about Governor Cuomo. We can talk about Linda Schlegel-Culver's remarks indicating that some versions of election reform are necessary. She also touched on something that we have not talked about much here, is that we're going to need some different transportation revenue in Pennsylvania, both for the state police and for roads and bridges and uh, PennDOT's operations, the gasoline tax. Uh, well, I would presume eventually it would become zero because as we, you know, I'm assuming in the century ahead, we'll switch away from uh, gasoline as a fuel. But uh, in any event, certainly their the numbers are already starting to go down in terms of the revenue that's extracted from the gasoline tax. So uh, we can talk about her remarks in that regard. We're going to have to wait and see. Plus, federal policy as it relates to energy and taxation has got to be formulated. And that isn't going to happen anytime soon. So we can uh, converse about that. We have open phones, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. My question to Joe is, uh, do we have more tolerance for individuals who uh, have some sort of a uh, portion of their resume that is very, very far from ideal, even illegal? Uh, but do we think that's okay? Okay, because we like elected leaders in general. What's your view on that? 1-800-795-9565 our telephone number. In the news today, Pennsylvania, slight increase once again in the new statewide COVID-19 cases, 1,400 new cases. We've been just above 1,000 lately, now up to 1,400. Uh, but as has been the case lately, relatively low numbers of cases in our region, 18 new cases in Snyder Union or Thimble and Montour. Uh, county. Ten of those were in Montour County lately. And remember, Montour County's numbers tend to fluctuate because of the Geisinger admissions. And subsequently later, there's an adjustment of Montour County's numbers. So we'll potentially look for that number to go back down. Number of hospitalizations around here low and staying the same. No patients on board at Evangelical Community Hospital in Lewisburg with COVID-19. Six at Geisinger Danville. Ray Patios died. Not exactly a house old name, but if you knew the sporting world around here or really covered Penn State or were familiar with Lewisburg uh, teaching and coaching during his era, you knew who Ray Patios was. He says he almost didn't go to high school football. We went to the high school. Rab Curry was a famous coach in Western Pennsylvania. He said, come on out, Ray. He said, no, gosh, I need job. I need work. He said, come on out. If you don't make the team, then we can quit. So I made the team. We went to the practice squad and then I graduated. Patios went to Penn State as well, uh, became Lewisburg's head wrestling coach, and had several undefeated years there. The Republican state senator who wants to have the committee he leads force three counties to turn over their election machines, ballots, and all related materials associated with last year's election, said Tuesday he thinks subpoenas will be issued in the next two weeks. AP reporting Senator Doug Mastriano of Franklin County told the conservative-friendly outlet Newsmax that he is working on a broad subpoena to York, Tioga, and Philadelphia counties. He says, quote, obviously I can't operate on my own, so I have a committee, so the committee 
I have will vote, hopefully in the next week or two, and that will authorize the committee and me as the chair to send subpoenas to those three counties, unquote. He said uh, the deadline for voluntary compliance expired in recent days, but all three counties declined to send them the information. They say it leads to the decertification of their machines, and they can't afford nor have time for new machines prior to the fall election. Mastriano is not commenting on the cost associated with this, but he has said in the past the state's Senate has a $60 million fund that is available for paying for important expenses if deemed important by the state Senate. Uh, there could be some help coming for folks who can't pay their rent, and there could be another slap in the face to the millions of landlords around the U.S. The CDC has extended the eviction moratorium. That is just, I'm, I just think that's crazy. Anyway, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo now facing calls to resign after the New York Attorney General's office released a report about the governor sexually harassing up to 11 women. CBS's Michael George has that story. The 165-page report details a pattern of substantiated and corroborated incidents in painstaking detail including new allegations Cuomo sexually harassed a female state trooper on his security detail, saying Cuomo ran his hand or fingers across her stomach and her back and kissed her on the cheek. A defiant Cuomo defended himself in a taped statement. I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. That is just not who I am. Michael George, CBS News, New York. And finally in the news, I am not a crook. <laughs> that does sound like that. All right. And finally, uh, let's see, where is I can't find the first sentence. There we go. Republican Missouri Governor Mike Parson Tuesday pardoned Mark and Patricia McCloskey, the St. Louis couple who were seen in a viral photograph waving guns at Black Lives Matter protesters in 2020. The couple pleaded guilty to misdemeanor gun charges in June. Although Mark McCluskey announced in May that he would be running for U.S. Senate, Parsons issued 12 pardons and two commutations Tuesday, including the McCluskeys. The McCluskeys say that their home was threatened. The protesters say they were just peacefully walking by. And what do, you're eliminating the part of the oh. story where they broke down the, these peaceful protesters broke down the gate of the gated community and just walked in. Right. They they forced open the gate. You're right. Saying, right to get into. The but gated that's not community. in the story. That makes it sound like these peaceful people were walking by while these lunatics were waving guns at them. Well, this doesn't have everything in it, nor the fact that the individuals who did force open the electric gate there, they didn't crash it down. They just pushed on it hard enough that it opened. Uh, also, were walking by peacefully, waving and chanting uh, when he started pointing guns at them, even though he was 100 yards away, and they were not threatening his property in any way. He didn't seem to be pointing guns at them. He had a gun on his person. His wife was casually waving one, but I don't think they ever pointed it at anybody. Well, he did. Yeah, he had an AR-15 type rifle, and he did point it at the protesters. Oh, but, I didn't see that. But you that. can still argue, hey, it's, it's stand your ground. You know, it's, if a protester comes past your house peacefully singing Kumbaya, if you wish to pr feel threatened, that's his prerogative. And that's what he said. He felt well, threatened. Well, they shouldn't have been there. I mean, what was the gate there? The fact that they pushed it open is immaterial. There was a gate there to prevent what? People from coming in who didn't live there. Yeah, I think it's all, what, it's private property. Right. right? They, so had no right, they had no right to enter that private property. Right. So he said he felt threatened, pointed his gun at them, and they waved the gun around and so on. So anyway, Fortunately, nobody was hurt. I mean, that's the main thing. <laughs>
Well, think of all the grief he's gone through, this family's gone through, and plus the people probably get nervous with the gun pointed at them for a short time. But that's another topic. Okay, and the Republican Missouri governor finally puts an end to this charade. Thank uh, goodness. With a pardon. So, yes, I, this is one thing everybody's glad to see kind of, well, maybe not everybody, but I'm glad to see this will be the last, hopefully this will be the last chapter of their 15 minutes. Stan, thank you for waiting while we conversed. You are on the mark. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Cuomo, he's too arrogant to resign. Uh, but they, they, didn't they mention something about that he violated state and federal laws with what he was accused of doing? Yes, but this wasn't a criminal referral. It was a more or less a civil referral. It may lead to some lawsuits, but they I understand they've referred it to the district attorneys in the counties where the alleged offenses occurred, and it will be up to them whether or not they file criminal charges. So sexual assault isn't a criminal well, it, not it is, but that finding. was outside the scope of this. It was outside the scope of the study or this the investigation. This is just a finding of okay. fact. It certainly yeah. should lead to criminal charges. It sounds like it was pretty egregious and well documented. You got eleven women on the record. That's that's what I'll wait for. I'll wait for the indictments to come down and 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 to see old Andy there in uh, an orange jumpsuit and uh, handcuffs. But uh, I don't think it'll ever happen. Well, he'll probably post. He probably won't need the orange jumpsuit. He'll probably post bail right away. But the handcuffs could happen. That you do see nowadays. You I, see I'd a love lot to of see these. him in a perp walk. Well, okay, with right. handcuffs, right? You probably will. I think when they pick him yeah. up, unless he turns himself in, you get handcuffed. But I can't imagine the the chutzpah. I mean, it's typical New York chutzpah that he won't resign. That you know he denies that he did anything wrong. So, in effect, he's saying that these 11 women are absolute liars. They all got oh, no, together. I, I don't think he calls them liars. He just says, look, this is all exaggerated. He said, I never touched anybody inappropriately. They say he did. That well, that's makes his them, opinion, though. Well, he's calling them liars. No, he's not. He's yes, saying, he I have a difference of opinion. My no, opinion is that... So Donald Trump had a difference of opinion? Now, that's not the way you were phrasing it back then. Well, no, Donald Trump lied about a few things, but other things were just opinions that were wrong, you know, like his behavior around women. He says the, it was all appropriate. That was just his bravado and his way of dealing with women. So he didn't say it was illegal. And any woman that was in his presence that felt uncomfortable could escape. I mean, that's his argument. So Cuomo's essentially saying the same thing. These are people that kept coming into my office day after day, even though I was touching them in a manner they felt was inappropriate. I just felt it was, uh, well, whatever his description is, he felt it was affectionate. So him intimate. telling them he was lonely and he wanted to go out with them, that was just that was just part of his I'm charm. I'm defending him. I'm just telling you his opinion is that he didn't do you anything wrong. You are defending him. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, Stan probably wished to call and talk on the radio, but he hasn't well, had a chance. Uh, you know, this this is all just, you know, diversion from what the real problem there in New York is, and New Jersey and Michigan and PA and California, was the forcing of COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes. That's what this is all, just a diversion from that, because they're not looking into that. And, of course, the Biden administration... They wouldn't look in anything at. They've said they won't look in any at because I guess those people dying because they were told that you know the nursing homes had to take them in when they weren't prepared for patients like that. That's okay. That's well, what it is. It's just a diversion. Well, the legislature passed a law that anything you do at all whatsoever in a nursing home is fine during a pandemic. So, oh, is that and it? Go- and you'll be shocked to find out that the governor signed. Yes, it. these were old people anyway. I mean, what what good yeah, are they? What the heck, right? You know, they they've lived their long 
a long, good life. You know, yeah. what the heck, you know? And, and let them die alone. Their family can't be with them and, you know, that all that. You know, no big deal. It was a yeah, pandemic. That, and in the meantime, I'm, I mean, writing, I'm writing a book about how great a job I did on the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe he'll write a book, another book, on how great he was at the, uh, avoiding uh, sexual harassment charges and all that next. Maybe, maybe that'll be his next book. Or perhaps... I think that'll be a bestseller. How, how about his third book, My Life in Stir? <laughs> I'd like to read that one. <laughs> Stan, I asked a strange question that popped into my head. Maybe you have an answer to that. Do we have a lower standard for people, elected people's behavior now, that they can do whatever they want as long as they have? depends on who you're asking. I, I don't think so, but we do know that if you have an R behind your name and, and these type of allegations come up, they rake them over the coals incessantly, you know, until they're driven out of office. But, you know, the Cuomo thing, that was, you know, it was mentioned and it was kind of forgotten about until Miss Letitia came out with her, you know, her report from, well, that was what, special, special investigator she hired. She didn't do it through the, you know, why, why didn't she do it through her office is my, is my question. Maybe to she be had more to hire objective. These they got investigators and everything else in the, in the attorney general's office up there. Why weren't they investigating? Why do you have to go to outside sources? I know she claimed because she wanted an outside objective objective investigator, but in this case, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, if you don't do it, you get criticized for bringing in a hand-picked uh, investigator from outside. If you do do it, of course, you're, you're a Democrat, so you're viewed as having a partisan. She claimed that this was a no-win situation. I don't think that's true. I think if you have an investigator, if you're a cop and you see somebody go through a stop sign, they don't have a voter registration car inspection sticker on it. They say, oh, that's a Republican. A crime's a crime's a crime. The witness is a witness. Is a you, witness. Want a fun, you guys want a fun fact? don't know whether your memory will recall this, but Governor Cuomo insisted that Brett Kavanaugh take a lie detector test before being confirmed. <laughs> now, let's have him take a lie detector test oh, about yeah, whether or not yeah, he... Yeah, Brett uh, Kavanaugh, you know, all, all women, all his accusers were supposed to be believed and blah, 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 blah. Now, I, I think that you know, Miss James has uh, her eye on the, on the governor's mansion up there in New York, and maybe that's why she hired outside, because so her fingerprints wouldn't quite be all over, you know... The, the information that came out, just only a little bit of it, because she had to read the report. That That's probably her thing. She, uh, she thinks she'll be the next governor, gotcha. which in New York, that's a good possibility. Yeah. Well, the lieutenant governor will step in first if they get well, rid of uh, it. Well, yeah, but there's an election coming up next year. That's what right. I mean. I don't think she's running. So it may be a year, uh, you know, another four years down the road. But I think that's her plan. She has her eyes on that. So she, she wants to keep her fingers out of as much as possible that's something that's going to that should destroy the governor up there but it probably won't he'll probably skate and uh, it'll just carry on maybe he'll get elected uh, voted out next year who knows i doubt you it. don't know anything about you know the way that people there in new york city that well, control the state are i heard i heard this morning that if he is impeached and there's certainly the democrats are they had a, a meeting yesterday afternoon where they discussed impeaching him but it works a little differently in New York. If you're impeached, you are immediately removed from office. And then they have the hearing, and if you're exonerated, you can resume your duties. But mm -hmm. once you're impeached, you're out until they hold the hearing or hold the okay. trial. All right, thank well, you so I, much. I think if they hold the trial and if, they got, if they're going to – if the Democrats actually impeach a Democrat up there, I'm pretty sure he'll be going in the trial because I'm pretty sure uh, every Republican there will pro, uh, probably vote to get him out. All right, that, we got you, Stan. Thank thing. you so much for calling in, Thanks, sir. Thanks, Stan.
Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. 1-800-795-9565. Stand by Shirley. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565. Shirley, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for waiting. You are on the mark. You have the mic right now. Okay. This is what I'm calling about. Anyhow, good morning, good morning. gentlemen. Um, uh, Linda Schlegel was on, and it was brought up again about voter ID. You know, going to the polls and make sure you're the right person. Right. All right. Now, this is... Uh, I'm an elderly person. I'll tell you, I'm 89 years old. I, uh, my uh, license was to be renewed. I got this uh, paper in the mail that I had to go get eye exam and uh, a physical and all that, but th- that's what started this. Uh, I knew when it was time for me to give up my driving, so um, I no longer drive. I sold my car. I turned in my license plate like I should have. The only thing I didn't turn in was my uh, driver's license. Uh, I paid for that, and it uh, it runs out in um, uh, year 2022, which is fine. I never intend to use this license. I'm not an insured driver anymore. But anyhow, I called down to a PennDOT uh, with the paper that I, I received in the mail for this uh, to get physical and eye exam and all that. I wanted to tell him. I'm no longer driving. I knew it was time for me to give up my driving. Anyhow, I was on the phone for a half an hour, and nobody still picked up and said, your waiting time is this and that, and good heavens, a half an hour and still nobody. So that was fine. So I called Linda Schlegel's office, which they were very kind and helped me. I told the girl that um, what my situation was, so she said I would have to send in my driver's license. I said, no, I'm not giving that up. I paid for that. She says, well, if you don't do that, then it's going to cost you $32.50 to get a, an ID card. I said, that's fine. I will do that. The reason I like to keep my licenses, I have them from way back. It shows you, you know, how young you were and what you, what you look like here and there. I have them for my kids. <laughs> But anyhow, um, so we went through the process. I sent, uh, uh, she sent me the paper, and I sent back the information that she needed for me to get an ID card. Uh, that was fine. It was all processed. I got my ID card in the mail. Uh, she sent it then through their office. But underneath the identification card, it says identification card. It says 
not for real ID purposes. Now, what is with that? <laughs> well, I mean, and there's a thousand I mean, stories I, just like yours of individuals who can't get an ID or don't wish to or don't want to pay for it or don't have the transportation or do need an official ID, and it's very difficult. And the bill that they're passing, you know, I'm all for it, if and only if, it has helps for No, you didn't Shirley. hear what she said. She said it's not valid as a real right. ID. well, that's a whole separate thing. Right, but she does have it. It's valid as an ID. They would accept that as her, her uh, voting, but, but not. it's not a real ID to get her into a even if federal she does. building. Can you get a real ID without having a driver's license? I, 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 why does they have to put that on there? I asked for an ID card. <laughs> then, you know, in my driver's license, down in the bottom, it says DL, which, yes, I know, driver's license. And then when I got, it says ID, and sure, it says identification card. But why do they have that on there, not for real ID purposes? Well, what's the sense of me having this? And I paid $32.50 for oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, in this particular case, real, real means something, something different. Right. Yeah, That's real stands saying. for, uh, it's an acronym. It's probably in capital letters. And it means an ID that's been approved by the federal government for getting in federal buildings and on airplanes. Right. So what you have is, in fact, in literal terms, small case letters, a real ID, no argument there. It is a valid ID for a lot of things, but there is that higher level of ID that some individuals get so they can go into federal buildings, fly, and do something else. That's called a real ID, R-E-A-L, capital letters, and that's they're saying that this isn't one of those. So what you have is perfectly valid. That's going to get you a long way, and uh, it yeah. is a... You have a real ID, but you a, don't have a real ID. Right. It's a legitimate ID. It just doesn't happen well, to Well, that don't make sense to me. I'm well, sorry. You are absolutely right. Sense. Yep, you're if absolutely right. If I'm going right. to fly and I have to show this... Are they going to accept it? Uh, if you're doing a domestic flight, but you won't be able to do an international flight without a real ID. But you can get one. Well, how do you get a real ID, and what's that cost? Uh, $60. And you, <laughs> oh, my God. And you oh go, you have to have your passport and your birth certificate and a utility bill. And, and an ounce else. of blood so right. that they can check Oh, and your that. Social Security oh card. Oh, my God. So. It, it, it's just awful. Well, anyhow. That is why I'm calling this morning. <laughs> you know, and when you go to the polls, I'm sorry. I've lived in this house for 59 years. You've been voting at the same place. <laughs> when you go in and vote, you think that I'm going to give them my ID card. Get out of here. <laughs> my God. Everybody Look. knows me when I go to the polls. And you have to pull out an ID card in order to vote. They'll give it I back to you. I would never do that. They'll, never, they'll never, it, never. They'll give it back to you. They won't keep it. I don't care whether they give it back to me or keep it or not. It's so ridiculous for them to ask, uh, to see my ID card. Get out of here. <laughs> that, that is just so Well ridiculous. said, Shirley. I right. think a lot of people agree with you. <laughs> Thanks, Shirley. Anyhow, yeah. before I hang up, okay. this here thing with Como, let that up to the people in New York State. It's up to those voters if they want to vote him back in or not. Right. And these women that come out of the woodwork... Uh, a couple years from when the situation happened that they're claiming, I don't go, I don't buy that. I don't buy it at all. all right. I'm a woman. And uh, why, if, if I was harassed or uh, touched where I didn't want to be touched by the person doing it, I'd say, knock it off. Don't do it again. And let it go with that. 
why why these people are moaning and groaning about being sexually harassed. That is you don't buy it. Okay. No, they're not going to put you on that, Jerry. I'll tell you that. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shirley. Shirley, Appreciate it. Interesting comments. Very nice to have your your viewpoint. Bob, stand by. We'll be right back. Thank you so much, Rob Center, for pushing the bumper music button. We appreciate that. He's taking good care of us, lining up the calls. 1-800-795-9565. I was perfectly mistaken. Real ID is not an acronym. It just stands for real identification. And uh, it is not an acronym. It's just... Maybe we need unreal identification. It is what it is. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We've got a half a dozen emails pending, so we'll get to those ASAP. But Bob is patiently waiting to talk about Governor Cuomo. Uh, what's your view on the governor? Have we lowered our standards for public office well, these days? Bob probably doesn't want to talk about anything a Democrat did bad. I would say everybody's innocent until proven guilty. But um, <laughs> I was calling about the gas taxes, and as far as the real ID goes, you just pay a fee one time, I believe it is, and then... Uh, the rest of your renewal keeps it as a real idea, I believe, and I'm not positive on that. So with I drive motor coach uh, part-time, and so I needed to have real ID for my job, which my employer reimbursed me for, which is good, because it's always good to get money back. But uh, I was calling about the gas taxes. I mean, everybody is supposedly driving 10,000 miles a year. So it's very simple. You tar- charge people... The tax for 10,000 miles a year, which comes out to about $120, which is $10 a month. So I don't know why uh, it's so complicated. Well, the gas tax people are using less gas. I mean, that's the issue. Well, yeah, but I'm saying everybody's driving supposedly 10,000 miles a year. Okay. So you just charge them $120 a year, $10 a month. It's it's simple. It's very simple. Well, Joe hasn't driven 10,000 miles in one year in, in the past well, decade. I drive 10,000 in about four months. You, you have to uh, go by your insurance company. They, they take your records. They know your mileage. You're supposed to report the correct mileage. There's easy ways to figure it out. And what about the horse and buggies on the road? They do more <laughs> destruction on the highways than cars do. Right. Their wheels eat up the roads horribly. <laughs> some can, of them I can do, show yeah. you pictures of them out here where I live. Yep, some of them do. You're right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that, the, that they end up getting taxed or anything associated with that. But in any event, I guess we just accommodate them. But this is a real dilemma because, you know, the gas tax is going to go away. If we're going to go to a mileage fee, Actually, like you say. there was a story here in Pennsylvania not too long ago where a municipality was going to stop. Yeah, Loyal Sock Township. Yeah, horse and buggies. They were having a serious issue up there. I, I think they resolved that, though, didn't they? Mm, I think they just found out that they couldn't over-regulate is well, what they I found out. I think they're out. making their wheels better where they're not just metal. And the same thing with farmers. They're driving their, uh, they're driving their uh, tractors and stuff like that on the roads, and they do a lot of damage. Well, farmers pay a ton of road taxes and gas taxes. And, and, and the same thing is with our business. You pay more uh, fuel mileage, fuel taxes than a normal person does. You know, if you're an industry or a company that's driving buses or trucks or anything like that down the highway, you have to pay like twenty thousand dollars every six months to the the state just for driving for the fuel taxes, and you're even already paying the taxes when you get the gas. Pay in fuel. advance, you mean? 
Yeah, whatever. I don't know how they figured it out, but I, I was going to check into that. And I didn't. I forgot about it. Oh man, I'm, I'm, come on now. You got to remember yeah, this. Get stuff. with it, Bob. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. You got you a know, lot with on this your COVID mind. Thing, what are you going to do? You're, hey. you're, you're, you know, we're supposed to be wearing masks in our houses when we're taking care of people. But when I go into the office, everybody in the office don't have a mask on. <laughs> and you know, we're we're allowed to take our you know, our people with us into the office. Now, what what is that? That's wrong. And I, I made a complaint about it yesterday. Why well, was so well? You only have to do it in the in the homes. You don't have to do it in the office. It's like okay, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, you go to a lot of places now. The masks are back on. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, Bob. Thanks and for checking in. I I wear them everywhere I go. I don't trust anybody. I don't want it. I I'm vaccinated. You know, nobody's guaranteed. And uh, the sad thing is people just don't take this seriously. You need to get the vaccine to make our country back again. We need to be fully vaccinated and have less deaths. Right. I lost a 32-year-old nephew from it. Oh my it is real. Until it comes and hits your house, someone breaks in your house, somebody wrecks your car, you die. It's real. Take this real. Okay. Thank right. you. Thank Have you, a Bob. good day. Yeah, you thank too. you Take so much care. for calling in. All right, read something in front of you. Here's okay. the text. This is from out. our friend E.B. We haven't heard from him for a while. He said, it's interesting to hear conservatives taking glee in Governor Cuomo's imminent downfall. There are the, these are the same conservatives who continue to support serial sexual predator Donald Trump, rooted for alleged rapist Brett Kavanaugh, and remain silent about Congressman Matt Gates, who was accused of sex trafficking minors. Funny how conservatives are only concerned about women when it's a Democrat acting abusively. When a Republican does it, it's okay to pull a Jim Jordan and just look the other way. Actually, I don't think that's the case. I mean, you know, <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh wasn't found to be case. anything bad. Oh my Governor Cuomo wanted him to take a lie detector test. Don't you think Governor Cuomo then should be uh, taking one himself just to prove his, his allegations? I don't think they're admissible. Oh, okay. But anyway, sure, maybe he should. Why not? Okay, then, lower uh, right-hand corner. Shirley may be known by the people at her polling place, but in the cities, the majority of voters aren't known by the poll workers. That's the reason for the ID. Chris, you're on the mark. Beer. I like beer. Beer. But what's that have to do with anything? <laughs> Kavanaugh. <laughs> oh, I got you. Okay, he's a beer <laughs> lover. Yes, okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that last call's right on COVID. Uh, if you want to get the country back, if you want the, the epidemic to end, get vaccinated. It's the best thing to do for everybody, for you, your country. And there was a caller, gee, I just can't remember who it was who called yesterday about my call talking about uh, smallpox and, and uh, COVID. It was and Cindy. I was making the reference initially about that, about the court case and what they can allow you, what the what the Supreme Court has allowed uh, the government to do and not do relative to vaccines. And as far as the comparison goes for COVID, COVID, uh, COVID is not more deadly. It is probably more contagious in the current variant. And all that stuff in Boston that happened with forced vaccinations and everything, 
that was in that in that epidemic from uh, 1901 to 1904, 250 people died, and there were 1,500 cases. And that's what that was about. In the history of America, from the Pilgrims to America to, to 1776, when there <coughs> when a when a smallpox epidemic hit, and ever since, until very recently, the government was always separating sick people, enforcing quarantines, taking sick people out to special places where they wouldn't be in contact with the ref with the general population. They were doing all these things when epidemics hit of a major nature. This is this idea that, oh, you can't make me wear a mask, you can't make have a proof of vaccination, you can't do this, you can't do that, I don't like it, it violates my American freedom, is all BS. It's been done throughout the history of this country. It was the way people dealt with with uh, disease. Sure, and we threw the Japanese uh, Nisei into prison camps, okay, essentially, yes, during World yes, War II. Oh, yes, of course we did. And that doesn't make it right, and that doesn't, isn't something we did more than once, did it? No, but we're doing this more than once. I mean, I, th I think it's, it's reasonable to quarantine people who have the disease. I'm not going to okay. disagree with you on that. But okay, it's not reasonable about, to impose... putting somebody in jail unless they get a gallbladder, <laughs> gallbladder removal? All depends on who it is, Chris. Yeah, you know who it was? It's a Democrat, <laughs> yeah. You know who it was? Oh, there was somebody who did, real? Who, who that happened to? No, I don't. And she died in captivity. I thought you were kidding. <laughs> no. Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary. That's what Ma they did with her. Okay. Well, that was some years ago. Yes, but it, it was in the history of America. That's all. So, so but it's, it's the wearing a mask. I mean, they quarantine people. Okay. And you're upset about wearing a mask? What, what, what? Well, I, I don't think people like to be told what to do. You know, let's of face it. Not. And it, unless there's a compelling reason to be told yes. what to do. But now you have to admit there's been so much contradictory, so many contradictory statements from people who supposedly know what they're talking about that it's legitimate to be uh, unwilling to to follow their guidance because it no, changes. No, that's just nonsense. As well, that's what you fact. think. That's what you <clears throat> think. I think that uh, uh, this is a new new disease and. People don't know exactly what to do, and there are some things that have to be done just for the general thing, like the, about the, the masks. Uh, they needed those masks for hospitals. They couldn't have the whole country going after them. So they lied to people about the, the efficacy of wearing one. No, Say, oh, it's not really necessary. advice for uh, not causing uh, more serious damage to happen. <laughs> but then, because they've contradicted and, uh, the themselves... wasn't proven... Anyway, so they contradict themselves, and then we're supposed to believe them no, the, not what they said before, but what they say now. Uh, well, but what information they have now? They give the information they have when they give the when they give the report, 
And yes, the, it's a changing field. This new variant is another change. And there are other what, qualified. What will go on for that? Are you arguing for this? I'm, argu really? I'm arguing. Is that really what you're doing? What I'm saying is that. Are you just giving me a hard time? What I'm saying is that there are qualified medical experts who disagree with Dr. Fauci. And so we have conflicting medical opinions, and it depends on whose opinion you want to take. And I would think their past comments can, would weigh on that. You can. You can find a qualified medical expert who, or, or somebody who sounds qualified. I don't know how many of the people who disagree have actually been qualified. That's a, that's a, I'm so do you go to a, you're actually do you go to a medical do you go to a medical doctor? You shouldn't get Chris, the vaccination. Do you go who to a medical? You shouldn't wear a mask. I know you don't Anybody? want to listen to me, but I'm going to keep qualified? going anyway. Chris, do you go to a medical doctor? Yes. Do you take your doctor's advice, or do you d ignore it when it's given? Sometimes. Okay, so you make a decision about what your doctor has said, whether or not. I'm not yes, and I see it's their body, their right to not take the advice, but it is also foolish at times, and this time it is foolish. But again, it's a matter of opinion because sometimes you don't no, think your no, doctor's you don't think your doctor's advice is foolish when you agree with it, but you apparently think it's foolish when you disagree with it because you said you don't no, follow I it. No, I don't. All right, Chris, prove him wrong. There are other reasons besides uh, besides uh, you know you shouldn't eat certain foods. Well, the bottom well, line like here is when foods I'm going to eat some of them anyway. Well, the bottom line I might here. Cut down on the them bottom and, line here. The bottom line here is when Chris decides it's foolish, it's foolish. But when Chris no, decides it's not, it's not. You're trying to make it sound foolish, and it's not. All right, the facts Chris, are on the go. table. They're for all to see. Thank and you so much. And why you're doing this, Joe? It's pathetic. <laughs> it really is. Uh, encouraging that kind of behavior. The funnels are very painful. It, if he tries you're to take them. You're arguing on their side. I'm arguing for the for the side of there. There is a I common go. sense we possibility that these doctors are not all telling that. Well, they're not all telling us the same thing, and so it's not unreasonable for people to make their want to make their own decisions in the in the light of conflicting testimony. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for calling in. Uh, we have to move on. Uh, we'll take more comers. It'll have to be a speedy dialer, 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. Include the code word OTM at the very beginning. We invite you to do what I've done. Go down to the Sunbury Motor Company. Tell them you want to drive the antimatter blue. That's a new color for this year. Carbonized gray accent, XLT chrome appearance package, F-150 that's on the lot. You'll do as I've done. That's get 19 miles to the gallon uh, on the, in the city and 24 miles to the gallon on the highway. And why is that possible? Well, it's an EcoBoost motor. has the start-stop technology. It's got the little hovering drone that goes over you that has the 360-degree camera package so you can see all around. It's got a hill hold, so and it has an all-hold, so it won't drift forward at any intersection. Got eco mode in case you want to save a gallon of gas but it also has for joe it has sport mode so you can exceed the posted legal speed limit at any time you wish to and it also has an eco coach if you want to save a buck on gasoline and car maintenance it tells you how to ease up when to ease up how to help or you can just turn it off and trump on the gas that's what joe does but it is just a fabulous vehicle it has the integrated trailer controller so you when you will go backwards you just tell the truck where you want the trailer to go and it takes it backwards for you it has an 
an onboard 400 watt power uh, uh, generator on it. So if you need electricity for your house, I mean, that could run your fridge and maybe a couple other things to keep you going in an outage. It's just a super truck. 2021 Ford F-150 Antimatter Blue. It's sitting on the lot down at Sunbury Motor Company, and they would just love to talk to you. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. No, we're not done yet. I pushed the wrong button. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I knew we needed bumper You're music. setting me all up here telling me no, to do something, and then you end the program. My fault. Go, go, go. Emails. I wanted to call in today, but your people talking today have had so many bad figures and information, I feel it's useless to speak to them. Uh, and it's not the Republicans or conservatives taking da- talking down New York Governor Cuomo. It's the Democrats who don't want another Bill Clinton in office. All right, now hit delete two times. Or, uh, or, or do what you're That's doing. what I'm doing. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tom says, the interest shown on Governor Cuomo by Stan and Joe is astonishing. Never showed that much interest in the Trumpster. <laughs> by the way, Trump no longer has the protection of the presidency, and those cases are on the horizon amongst the other slate of misconducts. But, you know, here, Tom, we have a Democrat, and you don't seem at all concerned about him. You're worried about whether I'm concerned about Republicans. Joe, uh, you're presuming things not inevident. Just read the first couple paragraphs of that. That'll be fine. Okay, if you say so. Well, now there's the music again. (laughs) Now that's properly timed. I didn't do that. Anyhow, it's about President Barack Obama's scaling back his birthday celebration, which was the smart and right thing to do. We'll read at the bottom the Fox News reports because President Obama was listening to On the Mark yesterday. He was concerned he'd be viewed as a hypocrite in Joe McGranahan's eyes. So he canceled his party. Well, he scaled scaled it back. back. Right. And you have to be vaccinated and you have to be tested. This is WKOK Sunbury.